Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So, let us begin. Ahsoka. Tano, is it? We pick up this uh, third to last episode of The Clone Wars, exactly where we left off last week in this subterranean uh, four-way intersection of, I guess, gutters where Ahsoka has come face-to-face with Darth Maul. He's displeased that she is not exactly the Jedi he was hoping to see, but it's aggressive. Um, And, of course, she's surrounded by other enemies, too, but she is able to kind of sneakily send a signal to Rex and the other troopers uh, and they're able to uh, kind of swoop in to rescue her. There's a bit of a verbal confrontation. By the time they come in to rescue her and they they sneak attack on some of the other um, uh, Darth Maul uh, associates, he gets away. They run down. It's a, it's a maze, of course, underneath the ground, and he gets away as he always does, and then they're left uh, to convene with a hologram of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. So Maul had been kind of uh, pondering about Sidious and making kind of really no sense to Ahsoka. Uh, And so when Obi-Wan is on a hologram, Obi-Wan talks to Ahsoka and Bo-Katan. It kind of pulls Ahsoka aside and talks about how Anakin killed Dooku uh, and is now in the difficult spot of being told by the council to spy on Palpatine. Uh, Ahsoka has the clear kind of reaction of like, are you fucking kidding me? That is basically his father. This is one of the people he trusts the most in the world. This is such a bad spot you put him in. Uh, Meanwhile... Uh, she then goes down uh, into the tunnels. Uh, Jesse was captured by Maul um, and ultimately gives up information on Ahsoka. Uh, our heroes go to interrogate the Prime Minister for information as to understand a little bit more as to what Maul was pondering before. Uh, PM says Maul's been paranoid. Uh, he gets killed uh, by one of Maul's guys, but mumbles out Skywalker at the very end. Um, and then Maul sends the syndicate leaders into hiding and goes to the throne room to await a confrontation with Bo and Ahsoka. And here he essentially tries to persuade Ahsoka to join him to overthrow Palpatine. Of course, she doesn't take that offer, and so commences the uh, action sequence that kind of fulfills the rest of the episode, really. It's just a, a spectacular lightsaber duel between Ahsoka and Maul that then kind of feeds itself outside where other... Uh, battle is is uh starting up because this is happening exactly as as the start of revenge of the sith is happening they get up uh into the rafters of what looks like the rogers center and then once (laughs) once again um maul gets away uh no um so he's right about to get away and uh at the last second uh, he's uh soka catches right up to him uh they do a little bit of a standoff ahsoka loses her sabers uh, flips the situation. Uh, Maul is about to fall to his death, and Ahsoka saves him with the Force. Uh, he's screaming like, "No, just let me die!" Uh, and that everybody's going to die. And uh, they capture him, and then the episode ends there. Uh, and so Maul had, yeah, set off some bombs to distract and get the Mandalorians to do their thing. He left them high and dry, um, and then really is explaining all this to Ahsoka, but Ahsoka doesn't really want to hear it. Similar to many of our heroes. It is kind of striking, though, that he runs away twice in this episode. Oh, yeah. And I can remember that from when we were kids and Phantom Menace first came out and we we're like, yeah, Darth Maul is cool, but the Sith run away. Jedi stay to play. And uh, he does it twice. Like he does it yeah. in the Phantom Menace and he is a lever, Darth Maul. And it's not because he's like afraid to fight or anything because he's so adept, but like he gets on the ship and bails. That's his move. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, it's really great at the end, especially the, the kind of confrontation that they have, because uh, it once again goes to the way that he dies, uh, the way that the character is portrayed in the sense like you just mentioned. He leaves, he, he cowers and, and runs away and he runs away. Uh, he runs away from Qui-Gon. Uh, but in the same thing here is Ahsoka's disarmed. Maul has the high ground. Yeah. Oh, wow, this is familiar. Who else was disarmed and completely stranded on a ledge where Maul had two sabers and he had none? But wait a minute. Maul was arrogant and this individual does a flip over Maul, ultimately taking his weapon and sending him down that ledge? Genius. Jesus, Maul, learn from your mistakes. But I love how it's not just – it's not so like – as much as when you spell it out that way, it's pretty damn similar. It's it's not like a complete ripoff. It's, it's one of those really beautiful George um, rhymes that Star Wars likes to do. And no. it's, it's excellent the way that that's done, especially seeing as Anakin and Obi-Wan share that moment at the very end of Revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan is the wise man and kills, oh, takes out Anakin's limbs and then ultimately kills Maul. Uh, in Rebels. But it is a striking parallel you bring up because, especially since this is happening concurrently with Revenge of the Sith, and so like this high ground incident is happening like, you know, a day or so before the next high ground incident, which is of course yeah. the most iconic one in all Star Wars. But it is funny that Obi-Wan says to his Padawan, Darth Vader, uh, it's over, Anakin, I have the higher ground, as if that's like a lesson, as if that's like yeah. a thing you you know. If you have, don't have the higher ground, you're going to lose. But Obi-Wan has the greatest overcoming the higher ground story ever. Well, that's what people always talk about. People say, uh, wait a minute, is Obi-Wan, um, he talks about the high ground, but he killed General Grievous from underneath the ledge. He killed Obi-Wan from underneath the ledge. Anakin was over top of him in a flip when he killed Anakin. Obi-Wan is the king of the low ground. He is. I think he is. <laughs> to be honest, no, it's, it's, it shows the wisdom angle and that he... Maul was arrogant, and Obi-Wan was able to beat him uh, in The Phantom Menace by the skin of his teeth. But he he was basically, Anakin was trying to take Obi-Wan out the way Obi-Wan took out Maul? Right. Like, Obi-Wan is not arrogant Maul. Anakin, you're arrogant Maul. So if you try it, like that's why he says, like, don't try it, Anakin. Well, in fact, Obi-Wan like, is, the high ground. if nothing else, Obi-Wan is literally never arrogant. He's overly no. cautious, and that's probably his greatest asset. And potentially, uh, well, no, his, his greatest weakness we we've has really been exposed more and more in Star Wars and the discussion of uh, his 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 failings as a brother, I guess you could say, or not be or being a brother and not being a father, I guess you could say. So the yeah. other really great Star Wars um, theme or sequence that occurs yet again in this very episode is our hero entering uh, into the presence of the enemy who uh, shows you the sky outside where your friends are not doing so well and then says, join me or die, and she says, never. So, like, it's precisely Star Wars. She's, and, it it's a, and it's a throne room. So it's, like, very, very deliberately and specifically one of the most iconic Star Wars climax, climax jump-offs. Yeah, absolutely. It, it hits all those points in a way that's also still fresh and different. Um, the lightsaber fight though is so sensational it is so 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 good it's so raw and the choreography the way that they shatter the glass and the explosions in the background 
Uh, and the fact that they're like punching each other and then the pull of the lightsaber to try and like use the force and Snoke Maul, but it doesn't work. And, and it's actually it's, Ray Park. Yeah. And it's like the taunting and temptation. And you can see like there's some the way he starts off the fight is so clearly Ray Park. It's just like, no, they have never animated Maul like that ever. That was so clearly them learning. Oh, wait a minute. Maul's movements because they choreographed off of um it's not a full mocap in in that same sense. It's like exaggerated mocap sort of. But similarly to the androiding of Darth Vader, did they make Darth Maul taller as an android because he was short as Ray Park? Ray Park's not a tall man. Uh, that's true. So I guess they probably would have. Uh, however, I will also say that is the only take back I had on this episode. It was the only thing I felt like it wasn't fair to. To, because it was so amazing to just not mention the one thing that I thought was a take back. What's that? So I had to, uh, is that he should not have had the the leg dexterity on those beams. Yeah, he he, he, he doesn't have a he doesn't have any legs, and so I know that there is like a lot of like alchemy going on there that allows him to be connected. But the dexterity of the legs. I mean, I'm very glad that he ended up falling, um, and and not kind of prevailing in that regard, but he does some, some sh like some impressive maneuvers for half robot. Right. But don't we learn when Luke gets his, uh, his robot hand, his prosthetic hand that they can incorporate, um, sensory prosthesis in your new limb. Like he can, t he can feel his feet, even though they're robotic feet. Well, that's the thing. Yes. But at this and also this is the same way with the force that you can in theory use the force um, to make up for certain senses, the same way Chirrut sure. is blind and is still able to know where things are and communicate with the world in that regard. Uh, but I just there's a certain level with with Maul that it's because it's severed. It's it, at like there, he doesn't have legs. He doesn't have anything. He doesn't right. have stumps. Right. And so uh, I would think the sensors would be pretty hard to pick up on. But I'm not about to like that. Is the stupidest thing. Uh, it's just tiny small. But it was one thing I just noticed. I was like. All right, that's some pretty good acrobatics. And Ahsoka is an acrobat as a character. Like, that's one thing that she's extremely acrobatic in her capabilities of fighting. Um, it is interesting but... for me to get to see Darth Maul use the Force in a conventional sense because my chief experience with him is still just as a mm -hmm. duelist. He doesn't really do anything forcey in in the, the Duel of the Fates. So here he actually uses Force Persuasion on somebody and... Uh, he just, like, sucks his mind. Yeah, I, th I think it's I think it's a really great way to develop that otherwise boring character. Oh, and I mean, want to talk about developing the? Uh, I have so many, so many favorite lines. Yeah, and almost all of them are Darth Maul's. Darth Maul has <laughs> no good lines in the movies because he has, I think, three lines. At last, we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last, we will have revenge. Tatooine is scarcely populated. Um, <laughs> As long as, we're, as long as we're talking about um, uh, Darth Maul, I would like to talk about his relationship to Sidious because he, in an indirect way, is kind of, he is the antagonist here, but he's almost an anti-hero because mm -hmm. he, he's he's doing it for sure um, for he's, selfish reasons. He's a for tragic reasons. character. Yes. Well, he, he has selfish uh, motivation. He wants to be in power like any bad guy in Star Wars does, but... He ultimately wants the same thing, which is for Sidious not to rise to power. And that's also born of the fact that he was abandoned by Sidious. So, of course, yeah. he has no allegiance to him anymore. Does he 
it's almost like he wants to kill baby Hitler. Like he can see the writing on the wall. Like I can see uh, Sidious is about to get way worse. And I I want to uh, nip that in the bud. Does he know that Sidious and Palpatine are the same person? If he does, how come he won't share that? If he doesn't, how could he possibly not? He does. I don't know why he wouldn't reveal it. It seems like, unless he's just trying to keep as much information to himself as possible. Until Ahsoka fully joins him. I guess yeah. that would be the way. That's, I guess, kind of the only logic I can draw behind that. Um, but he even says, like, he wants to, um, I'm afraid not, in fact. I was so certain of his faith that I orchestrated this war to lure him here with Kenobi to kill him, thus depriving Sidious of his prized pupil. Like so, really, for him, it, it's it's a revenge angle. Sidious sure. killed his brother. Sidious kept him in prison, um, and um, ultimately threw him away after and left him to to die after he got cut in half, uh, and was and moved on with Dooku, and then moved on beyond that. And so, he uh, he despises Sidious. He despises Kenobi. He's a character that only knows how to hate. Yes, I think that's true. And so what does Obi-Wan know at this point? I'd have to rewatch Revenge of the Sith to get a good sense of this, but does he does does Obi-Wan know that there's something suspicious about Palpatine at this point? He has heard of Sidious ahead of this little confrontation. Because Ahsoka says, "Look, Darth Maul just told me about this guy Sidious. What do you know about that?" And Obi-Wan's like, "Look, I don't know much, but here's what I know." And this is all part of a greater conversation about how Palpatine may be shady. And so does he know anything? It's ultimately Obi-Wan's, um, his greatest mistake you could, or I mean, his mistake is, he makes the mistake to Qui-Gon of choosing to, to teach Anakin in that same way. But at the same time, he makes the grand mistake in Attack of the Clones of not believing anything Dooku says. Yes. When Dooku says, Dooku has terrible intentions, but says, 100% the truth to him. And Obi-Wan learns throughout the entire Clone Wars that each, like, he learns piece by piece that the things that Dooku says is true. And he's learned by this point completely. Like, okay, well, we know that somebody is is something. Uh, we know that there's something going on. They know Palpatine is corrupt. It's a matter of um, who is the one who is the Sith Lord. They know he has influence. Um, I don't know specifically the canon source or if it's still canon, um, but there was big theories that Masameda, the kind of alien-looking guy, uh, Blue, who holds a staff, mm. who's always hanging around Palpatine in the prequels, he was heavily believed. Like Mace Windu kind of had him as suspect number one. As who is who's the influencing factor in high in the political area that is potentially the Sith Lord. That they didn't is, necessarily know it was Palpatine because he's this super old man who's been just like hiding in the wings, whereas Masamita was mysterious enough and still influential enough that he could be the one pulling all the strings. That answers my next question because I was I was a little struck by when Obi-Wan says, um, look, we're, we don't know who Sidious is, but the council believes that he's been pulling strings from both sides since the beginning of the clone wars. And I was like, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know that the Sidious is in among you? Dooku told him that. Right. Okay. Dooku tells him that at the start of the whole fucking clone wars. And yeah. that's the kind of the thing that Obi-Wan is, he slowly learns throughout, but Obi-Wan doesn't, um, he, he doesn't lead. He, he's the good soldier. Yeah. And, and he, and he's a, like, he's, he's a great, um, He's great at everything, but he 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 doesn't um, put his foot down to be troublesome. 
The only thing he ever did that for was because Qui-Gon begged him to as a final breath. Mm-hmm. And he loved Qui-Gon in a, as much as he was willing to love anything um, because Obi-Wan also kept that at bay and sort of thing. That he was, he, being the good Jedi um, always cost him. He was always smart enough. He was always skilled enough. He was always uh, connected enough with the Force. He always had the best intentions. But certain things like that would keep them, keep his mouth shut too long on the wrong things and um, the political side of uh, the Jedi impacting him. Whereas uh, Mace Windu is a little bit more of the iron fist on it. Yoda's the one who's understanding it a little bit more from a, of a spiritual side and the way that their like, vision's being clouded and the way that the dark side is. But Obi-Wan, it's a little bit more of just uh, the fault in the system and he's middle management and can't make those kind of changes, even though he gets to the council by the end. This is partly why we're so thirsty for an Obi-Wan storyline where he gets to oh, win, yeah. where he gets to win a little bit. Because like we, we love this character. I know, who knows what's going to happen, but pre- yeah. presumably he's going to have some good days between episodes three and four, at least where he... You know, his heart isn't broken, you know, like whether or not it, you know, it kicks his ass here and there and it probably will. But like he's really a tragic hero in Star Wars because he ends up alone and he never did an evil thing in his life. Yep. No, absolutely. And the interesting thing with with Obi-Wan is that uh, he only becomes more at peace. Yeah. He he does learn a lot from Qui-Gon. Uh, and so as a result of that, in order for him to be the Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith to the Obi-Wan in A New Hope, we really need to see, it, it can be good, it can be bad, but it's just, it's, it's, I guess, the reaction almost to the tragedy or being, or the reaction to a major event or um, it, it almost like a check-in point as to, okay, we're eight years in between, like, how has Obi-Wan changed? Like, is he just going to be, like, really down in the dumps and this is where, like, maybe he has to confront Vader and ultimately it goes horribly and it's like, okay, I was at rock bottom before, but now this is, like, ultimate rock bottom and then maybe realize, like, that tipping point where he truly believes, okay, wait a minute, Anakin's gone. Mm. I, I that he's, he's gone completely. Dude's I, I, gone, he's, yeah. he's compl- I, I can't, I, I always kind of thought maybe, but, you know, he's gone. But wait a minute, like the, the, the force points him in the direction, or Qui-Gon and the force point in the direction to believing that Luke is the chosen one. Because Obi-Wan does, in the end, believe Luke is the chosen one. Um, both Yoda and Obi-Wan uh, become cynical in the 20 years, and they lose faith that Anakin is the chosen one. Anakin is the chosen one. But they lose faith in the 20 years and each take a belief uh, in one of the twins, Obi-Wan thinking... Uh, Luke and Yoda for a time thinking Leia being the chosen one. Well, true. And I mean, you know, you could almost make you the argument that like love itself is the chosen one, because if he didn't have a son to to rescue, like Vader would not have come back as Anakin, like Anakin would not have come back to life there in the end of Return of the Jedi, if not to save his son and do the virtuous thing. So like if, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of we're splitting hairs a little bit. Yeah, of course. And it's always come cyclical and then it's a matter of destiny and choice. And um, and then it becomes to all the big themes of Star Wars, which are always wonderful. I want to to rhyme off some more quotes in a few minutes here, but a couple more mall, oh, yeah, definitely. A couple more mall nitpicks. Uh, sure. Sure, his legs were cut off and he has had some days uh, down in the dumps quite literally. Um, why are his teeth so rotten, though? Because otherwise he has clearly his worked very... Teeth- 
His teeth are very His rotten. His teeth are so rotten in The Phantom Menace. Oh, interesting. Because I was going They're to say, so rotten. otherwise, he seems to have worked really hard to make himself a total stud. Yeah, no, they're like his his, his teeth are like it, it's that's um that's dark side decay. Oh, interesting. Like the same kind of way that like Palpatine's skin is disgusting. That same sort of um, and also I believe, and I've always this is just something I have pieced together through the podcast. I think I've theorized this before that um, it makes sense for it to affect the mouth area and the throat um, because when you think of the way uh, Vader sounds, the way that Palpatine um, sounds when he's shifting to Sidious and it's all, and it's like these, like almost like he's kind of tone shifting as he speaks and he has a different voice as Sidious than he does as Palpatine. Um, and you have all these like voices on like Exicola and it, it just, it can kind of go to, to in mall with the teeth to show that it's just it's like the decaying from the inside out almost of of the body um for the preservation of it count dooku never really had any decay i granted he hadn't been a sith lord for very long and he wasn't that commit he wasn't that committed to the dark side he was committed to himself he was he was very selfish but he wasn't um honestly what a loser deciding to be somebody's padawan when you're like 90 years old <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, it was him. He, he he quit the Jedi Order and got rich, and then it was a matter of he struck a deal with the devil further um, because he wanted more power, and then it was snowballing for him. But because he was older and wiser, it kind of allowed him to not necessarily um, get as disgusting as Maul and Anakin did. I wanted to mention this when we were talking about the duel. Um, this is, I assume, just an animation effect that they've chosen, although I find it interesting, that the lightsabers have a clear elasticity to them, almost like they look like fencing rapiers. Yep, that would be um, definitely a stylistic choice. Um, animation, to a degree, probably. I, I know that that's also, like, the, the sabers are very thin in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's two mere kind of R- Macquarie's original artwork and they are similar in, in like two rapiers in that regard. Um, and so there is maybe a little bit more, I just, over time the animation may, has, has blended a little bit more to mirror that in the animation so that it's swifter and smoother. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a good thing to pick up. That's definitely, um, noticeable and true. All right, let's rhyme off some great quotes because it was a chatty episode for, for all the action that there was, but there was also all kinds of dialogue, so that's the best of both worlds. Yeah, Ahsoka, Tano, is it? I can't say your name is... A, is I can't say yours is a name familiar to me. Never would I say a sentence like that, but of course, Maul would. <laughs> right. Yes, I imagine we have some mutual friends. I wouldn't put it that way. Um, but I'm afraid your way of thinking is behind the times. Perhaps being his loyal full, perhaps bring his loyal full Skywalker, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder the moment may be upon us. There was, a, there was one comedic line in this whole episode, and it was, uh, one of you might want to deal with that. <laughs> and I yeah. think it was Maul. Uh, yeah, no, he, he does yeah. when the explosions are going off yeah. in the throne room. Um, specifically, like, Bo, get out of here. Let's do some force talk right now. Exactly. Um, Maul, uh, how charming that you actually believe that statement to be true. Clones bred for comment, for combat, all part of the plan. I can't read today. Uh, um, isn't it interesting when Captain Rex says, uh, my men don't want to be acting as a police force? 
Like that's exactly what they become. And, and in a way yep. that it's kind of what they were bred to be, but not to the Gestapo. Not, to their not yeah, not to not to the like the Nazi police force that they ended up becoming, but yeah, their big thing is um protecting against the separatists. Yep. That's the, the the big part. And so even doing like fending off against malls not really in there area because that's not even part of the the real the same war it's a different one entirely there was a really good uh tweet going around when john boyega was being like really vocal at the protest there a couple of weeks ago somebody pointed out that his whole role in star wars was as a police officer who yep. defects because he doesn't like the corruption within yeah absolutely yep. and it's it's so spot on and, and and really works um maul the plan uh, the plan, the only plan that matters. Uh, not even I was aware of its grand design, but I played my part. And do you know what happened to me? I was cast aside. I was forgotten, but I survived. And I can thrive in the thre- in the chaos that is to come. Uh, Saxon, information is a valuable commodity. See to it that the prime minister does not become an asset to the enemy. It is not up to you. Your mind will speak or it will break. The dark side has never been stronger. Yeah. So many menacing lines. Soon the galaxy will be remade, and in the chaos yes. we must seize what power we can. It is not the way of your people to hide here in the gutters. If you die, I promise you it will be in the field of battle, and if we die, we die as warriors. That's that's like Braveheart. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, and I think there's there's a couple uh, maybe contenders uh, for the, the episode title. You could have Your Vision is Flawed yep. from Ahsoka. Yep. Um, I see the Padawan needs one last lesson, um, depriving Sidious of his prized pupil. Um, but I think it's soon the galaxy will be remade is the best. I like it, it a lot. Um, every choice you have made has led you to this moment. It's just like, it's it's nice. That's good storytelling. Absolutely. Uh, you'll find I have many qualities you dislike when Ahsoka says that to Maul. It's just a good banter episode. Oh, absolutely. Milady, is that any way to treat your rightful ruler? <laughs> Uh, don't stay on my account. We'll be fine. Uh, yes. Like when Maul gets like, yes, but you were motivated to leave by the hypocrisy of the Jedi Council. Yeah. <laughs> we were both tools for greater powers. Like, no, I don't want to hear your semantics. That's like, talk about why you really left. I would say uh, my, my only great take back for the episode, and it isn't one, it's just a function of the story building to uh, a climax. There's just not really a third act in it. Like this, this episode is yeah. like it opens up and then it kind of gets to the action and that action carries you through the end of the episode and it stops very abruptly. It stops as yeah. soon as Maul gets away. Um, but that's okay. Cause there's like a lot going on right now and we're going to get to, you know, the next episodes picks right up just like this one did. To be honest, these episodes are better as a collective of four. I mean, yeah, they're a movie. Uh, they, 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 they play as a movie. Yeah. They, re- they really do. Um, there's still some more good quotes. Okay. Um, too late for what? The Republic to fall? It already has, and you just can't see it. There is no justice, no law, no order, except for the one that will replace it. The Je- the time of the Jedi has passed. They cannot defeat Sidious, but together you and I can. Every choice you've made has led you to this moment. Um, also, uh, you're all going to burn. We're all going to die. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be dramatic or anything. No. Um, I'm afraid not. Oh no, we gotta get that one. Let's do some trivia. Trivia was a little tricky for me. Um, I will. Be- it's very tricky. I will begin. I have a feeling I won't catch you on this, but on the on the off chance I do, I'd be very excited. But I'm not going to catch you on this. Uh, Padawan question: What once only cinematic Star Wars villain makes a cameo in this episode in hologram form? Dryden Voss. Yes, he does. 
Yes, he is split second scene. Um, and I, I wonder how closely you did your research on that one because you might be able to get my master question with that. <laughs> it might be the same master question. Ah, <laughs> uh, damn it. What's your master question? Uh, besides Dryden Voss, uh, name the other two syndicate members interfacing with Maul and who they represent. Oh, uh, I, I didn't. I didn't even check to see who the other two syndicate members were. But my ask was, who are the three syndicates? It was the master question, which I, is Black Sun and the Pikes. Black Sun I, and I the Pikes. Tell, yeah. I can't tell the Pikes apart. I just I don't know who the leader of the Pikes is either. The leader of the Pikes is Mar Krim, and the leader of Black Sun in this uh, scene is Zaiton Moj. Yeah, there is the is it is it Zaiton with an X? No, it's uh, Z I T O N, according to IMDb anyway. Um, but uh, that was kind of a cool little thing that I wouldn't have picked up on the first time. And once you know that it's Dryden Voss, it's very clearly him. And I think they stuck him in there kind of last minute. Uh, but it's it's necessary, yeah. and it's almost I had found myself kind of thinking because I'm always thinking about Kira and Maul, um, mm. and I'm like, you know, she is kind of miss. If he is as prominent in this series and the next series as Ross says he is, she her story is sorely missing from from yeah. this timeline of Star Wars and her involvement. Uh, not this not this timeline, but in in the like. We, there's a lot of unexplored time still in that 20-year period, even though we've got Rogue One, Solo, and we're getting Kenobi. Like, there's still a lot of stuff in there. And I agree, though, that definitely that is um, some of the richest area in that time period would be Kira and Maul. And I think there's no reason to not try and make it a show. Uh, screw this Solo 2 idea. That's a terrible idea. No, but you this is a really good idea. You can't tell more Darth Maul story. Like, you can't do another Darth Maul show. There's They've already completely wrung the whole thing dry. I absolutely think you can have a show where Darth Maul is in uh, an episode or two um, okay. for a couple seasons. Okay. Um, like, I think he can be a, a character that um, I will, this is totally off topic, but you can make him similar to the way Michael Keaton may be returning to Batman. Which is great, by the way. That's so cool. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah, he, absolutely. Well, returning to The Flash, he's going to play Bruce Wayne in The Flash. The that's right, but it's apparently he's like it's he's his deal is not for just that; it's for multiple pictures. So my guess is they're going to try and Nick Fury, Michael Keaton. Um, First of all, that that's not only amazing. That's that's not only like just a cool idea. It's finally a good business, a good mm -hmm. creative business decision on Warner Brothers' part. And, Definitely, and uh, he has never stopped being so proud of the fact that he was the original live action uh, superhero and. And he's also a, a bomb ass actor. And did you see the top of Reddit like two days ago? No, it's like two days ago or like yesterday. It was just like a funny like today I learned or or whatever. But it was Tom Holland. Tom Holland could not keep a straight face in his scenes with Michael Keaton because every time when the sound wasn't catching up, he would just say I'm Batman and start saying Batman lines to him when it's totally different comic book movie. <laughs> I've heard that story before. Yeah, he's. Uh... He's really cool, and I, and finally, I would actually be keen to see some kind of reboot in that in that CU. Mm, so maybe, maybe, well, maybe back to Star Wars. Maybe but, they'll yeah. do that in Star Wars too. That would be with Darth Maul. That'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, I think you could do something like that. But I mean, e even still, um, my Padawan question: um, What kind of species is Ahsoka? Oh, well, is she not? No, you won't get it. No. Oh, really? So she's not the what's the word I'm looking for? Twilight? Yeah, she's not a Twilight. No. I she's guess a I kinda I kinda knew that. She's a Togruta. 
it is I have to say the amount of times I forget that word mm. it it just always eludes me for some reason um, I guess there's a lot of species that start with T but uh, Togruta I did notice is, just in this viewing that the orange part of her head appears to be detached almost like it's a like a, a hat so like it is that the case? Is it covering over oh, a part, another part of her, or like the tails not, on her head? Not the orange part. The that there is a, like a she is wearing a headband. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there is a headband that does go over, and it is a detached part over top of her. Um, but the mantles. tails, the tails are part of her head. Yes, I see. That's yeah, going to be tough to do in live action with with whoever it is. I forget Rosario Dawson. Like, I have a hard time picturing how that's not going to look real corny because they have other tail headed creatures in the Star Wars cinematic universe, and they look kind of lame when they're in live action. Yeah, it's it's something that uh, it'll be interesting to see. Depending on if there's some elements of CG done to it, um, the Hera is a character who's uh, one of the main characters from Rebels, uh, and she is a pilot. And so she actually like, she she wears a, a helmet constantly that allows for the the her her tails to transition well to live action, right. as opposed to like something like Ahsoka, whereas there's so much going on there. There's, you got to make that look really good to not look like paper mache. Well, do you remember what what's the name of the? I think she's a Twi'lek, the one who gets kind of baited down into the creepy monster at Jabba's palace, Return of the Jedi. She gets, Ula. she gets eaten. Is she a Twi'lek? Yep. Yeah. She looks weird. Yeah, absolutely. Um, My Jedi Knight question for you, yeah. you've already half answered it. What is the name of the clone trooper who tells Ahsoka about Maul having taken another clone trooper? And what was the name of that trooper? Uh, Jesse was taken. Yes. Who gives that message? Sterling. 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 Yeah. yeah. See, this is what I was talking about last week about how it's just so hard to keep track of all of them. They all have the same face and voice. Yeah. Um, this this is another one that's just won't get. Okay. How fun. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess it's more of a fun fact. Um, actually, no. Let's let's go with this one. I do have a backup one. Perfect. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, another really easy one, but one that you can guess at least. Uh, what color are Ahsoka's eyes? Um, are they like pink, like purple? N no, no, they're blue. <laughs> they're blue. It seems to me I saw somebody who had cool colored eyes in in this. I don't know, maybe I maybe I didn't. Maul. <laughs> well, yeah, I know Maul has like yellow eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that all for trivia? Uh, well, I'll just give you the other one. It was um, who uh, did they initially design the second half of Darth Maul's lightsaber for in this? Uh, the second half of his saber was never used. And it's brand new to this episode. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. You just mean like producerially there was like another, or it's, it's in the story. A, no, there's another character that they initially designed it for, but they never got to use it for them. But and you probably won't guess this either. But I don't know. Uh, Ventress, and that's another Clone Wars character, and so that's um, she had an arc that was supposed to be in this season uh, after she had uh, quit being Count Dooku's uh, apprentice where she uh, is just kind of off doing bounty hunter things and has a yellow lightsaber um, and had this particular hilt, but they just decided to repurpose it and crudely fashion it to Maul's lightsaber uh, and give him a double-bladed one so that this fight could be awesome. Right. Okay. Cool. 
I did want to uh, mention just jetpacks again, and in particular the sequence when they're in the elevator shafts. It's just really... It's awesome. It's really cool. I like the look of Maul slinking in that throne when they enter, and he's trying to look all sexy, and he's eating grapes. That's really oh, yeah. cool. Um, uh, the Mandalorian prison looks so awesome, especially from the outside. It's like this giant floating X-shaped building. Are um, all of those bad guards, like Maul's guys, are they all wearing Mandalorian armor? Because they get taken down real easy. Um, I mean, just like the, I'm not, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Like when, uh, the clone troopers sneak up on Maul and his gang when Ahsoka's down there in the first part of the episode. And then like, yes, they surprise attack by shooting one of the other, um, I don't know what they're called, what Maul's cronies are called, but they're wearing what looks to be Mandalorian armor. Yeah, they're, they're Mandalorians. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, they're not wearing, um, Baskar steel cause they just get dummied like any old stormtrooper. Yeah, no, and I guess it, it must be that, or it's uh, an element of they specifically know where to shoot because they've had the armor designed the same I guess. sort of thing. Could be. Yeah, there's, I there's know it's an element kind of, to that. Kind of a technicality. No, but that that's a good point, especially when uh, emphasizing the strength of that uh, of the steel. And uh, we're gonna learn. I, I'm we're gonna learn more and more the way that they kind of expand that outward as to consistencies between Mandalore and really what happened to it during the the Age of the Empire. Uh, also, the, the prime minister, the way he died and like gets out the word Skywalker, it was very like um, Yoda dying slash like Zam Wessel getting shot and not being able to get out the information. Yeah, uh, it was it was st- very Star Warsy. In that it, it is. It's a little corny. And I guess because Star Wars has done it in other cases, it's fine. But like spit it out. Why are you taking so long to say the words? You know, you're running out of words. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, uh, it was another cool one when they kind of uh, go down into the underground to that giant shaft, mm. uh, the shot, the way that they do it. It's really cool because it mirrors the way that they go down the giant shaft in Utapau in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, like in just that kind of overhead shot. And so it's just another thing of like, okay, what's going on at this kind of similar sort of time period? Oh, Obi-Wan is literally going off to fight Grievous, this exact thing, like you just said. Um, the scoring is excellent. Yeah. There's super great duel of uh, the fates uh, notes in the battle between Ahsoka and Maul. Yeah, uh, there's like some oh, oh, sort of things when they're especially up in the rafters, which is also like the the uh, reactor room that they do the big duel of the fates fight in. So right. that's super cool. Uh, just another little thing that you're not always going to pick up on, but gives you the vibe as to why it's so Star Warsy and gets you so excited. It well, that's why I love this. It's just it felt. It felt like Star Wars at its very finest. Yeah. Uh, and I guess um, one other thing would be uh, when Ahsoka jumps out the window and slows her skid down the slope with the lightsaber. That's I love it. super awesome. I love it. Yeah. yeah and I've always kind of wondered a little really bit about move. like what kind of resistance you get with a lightsaber as it cuts through various metals. I think we've had that discussion before too. But like this is a great use of that. I think it's very cool. She doesn't get these lightsabers back, eh? They're gone. So no, she uh, she bear- she intentionally leaves these as a way to fake her death, uh, and we will talk more about that one in, in episode four. But um, I this, guess uh, this is all I have for this episode. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, um, I guess there's a couple. One really good line from Obi Wan, uh, Ahsoka: "The Council isn't always right. That's why I'm asking for your help." Yeah, it's delivered extremely well with so much uh, just Obi Wanism. Um, and knowing the circumstance, but also knowing his limitations. 
Uh, and then Ahsoka's uh, line to Maul later on is, Obi-Wan was right, you are difficult to kill. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. I actually thought like it would be a good way to follow up our last podcast by naming this oh. one that, but also... I, I also wouldn't be against that either. Um, the episode of this show was called Phantom Apprentice. Do we think he's the oh. Phantom Apprentice or is Anakin? They all are. I guess. He is, Anakin is, and he is. Yeah. Yeah, I never That's thought about Ahsoka about being the Phantom Apprentice, but she Ahsoka is. Ahsoka more so than anyone because Anakin doesn't know if she lives or dies beyond this point. Right. And she she's a Phantom. She's his Phantom Apprentice for the next 18 or 16. Actually, it's, it's I think it's 17 years before they see each other again. And that happens in Rebels? Yeah. Oh, that must, be, a, that must be an emotional moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. It was like, it, it's the season finale to season two. It's mind-bogglingly good. Does and, Rebels, and, and, and Maul's in that arc too. Does Rebels have a strong finish the way this show does? Rebels has a sensational finish. Oh, great. Uh, so that was the thing that was great about Rebels was Rebels was um, a much better uh, overall thought-out story. Okay. In the sense of you have four seasons, it starts here, it goes to here, it goes to here, it goes to here. Wow, that's great character arcs for all of those characters. We understood where we were going with on all of it. It, it was clearly planned out. It was smart. Uh, it was very Star Wars-y. Clone Wars was similar in that way, uh, but also laced a lot of like side nonsense into different things and just also was just really broad and intentionally supposed to be kind of more Saturday morning cartoons and a little bit more of a of a consistent arc, but then they do amazing things like the Ahsoka storyline being a, such a clean through line of her character growth. And then of course, the way that they finish off Dave Filoni, finally getting to finish off Clone Wars in a similar way to uh, how well rebels finished off. So no rebels was an excellent, excellent, excellent. end. Um, and I mean, I, I, I do say now Clone Wars has a better ending, but uh, I would never have guessed that. And that's only just because I, am in love with these four episodes is there a final arc to to rebels like does it also end with kind of a movie-esque collection no but it has some very um it, it is the final it, i guess it's more structured like a television show a modern sure. day television show in that regard in the sense it has very big moments um for the characters that happen throughout the last final few episodes uh and in the final five six minutes um, there, there is a couple big things that do happen, a couple big things that happen at the very end. Um, and then there's a couple like the, the, that leave kind of, kind of a cliffhanger. And then there's, um, what's it called? The prologue or that's what it's called, right? When it comes after an, epilogue, epilogue, an epilogue, epilogue. Yeah. Epilogue. Yeah. Uh, so they do an epilogue that takes place because it ends about a year or six months before a new hope. That's mm -hmm. when rebels ends. Uh, and so they do, uh, an epilogue right after the battle of Endor. And so okay. they, they skip that time period, but essentially skipping a few years ahead. And then they show um, Ahsoka and Sabine going off to look for Ezra and Thrawn, who ultimately get blasted off into um, hyperspace nowhere um, uh, in the finale. They get blasted off into nowhere. And so essentially they're and well, let's get right into the news because we can transition perfectly into sure. there yeah. and the room and the rumors about it. So there's a lot of rumors as to how they're going to follow that up because there's no way you're not going to finish up that story. Right. Dave Filoni uh, gives us an epilogue that sets up a, like perfectly. Oh, these are where the characters are at this point. This is what they've been doing. And this is where they're going to go do next. And then a couple of days later, he like tweets out a drawing of Sabine and Ahsoka like 
traveling through like a snowy area that he just did on like so like clearly okay they're going off to do adventures uh and their adventure is to go find thrawn and ezra uh it's assumed that you're gonna get like you can get a shipwreck story with thrawn and ezra because they're in a star they're in a star destroyer thrawn star destroyer with a jedi and they get blasted off into oblivion that will be amazing love it um and so how are these stories going to be finished up and so there's belief that there is uh, animation projects in the works and that there's a um, live action projects in the work and that there's potentially an Ahsoka live action uh, TV show in the works and the Thrawn live action TV show in the works. And so all these live action rumors and all these animation rumors and all these sequel rumors, it kind of puts things into a, okay, so what do we actually have here and what's crossover? We have now introduced Ahsoka in the Mandalorian. That's almost a given. So the odds of us getting Ahsoka in animation or live action next, I think it's probably higher to be uh, live action. Yeah. And so that would mean that poten- the, the likelihood of the Rebels sequel series being live action is high and that it would likely be uh, around Ahsoka and Sabine. And so if you were to do a live action series, you could do it around them in that regard. Now, you could also do a show that runs parallel to it. Uh, with Thrawn and Ezra and you could make that one live action or you could make that one animated and you mm-hmm. could have them be parallel storylines but it would be harder to have crossovers with the characters in that regard so it would be more likely that that one would be live action as well and then the rumored uh, sequel series to Clone Wars also uh, the, the rumor now is kind of that it potentially could be around the Bad Batch which is a select set of clones who are altered to be specifically good at particular things um, and they are the first four episodes of season seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there is, uh, there's word out that the Clone Wars, more of it in some way, shape, or form is coming still. Oh, wow. What that means, like the show is 100% over. Dave Filoni said that, but it doesn't mean like that there's, there's more of that world that will continue that has been alluded to. Okay. So there's a chance that the clones themselves and these clones, uh, being like an elite crew that maybe they aren't imps, maybe they aren't working for the Empire, maybe, maybe they are particularly um, like off on their own and they're doing these things. And maybe they're trying to recruit people back from um, like their lost brothers from like other clones who are now brainwashed by the Empire trying to get them them back and trying to steal some people. Like, so you could do a really cool kind of show that way. And so with all these kind of ideas thrown out there, it's it'll be interesting to see the the medium in which these TV shows are presented, but it's very, it's, it's, it's looking more and more likely like uh, Ezra, Thrawn, uh, Sabine, uh, Ahsoka, these characters, the, the characters that had Rex continue looking like continuing uh, moving forward stories beyond rebels will be getting a live action sequel. So all the rumors point to that, which would be amazing. It would make me so happy because then you would get into that and then you'd be able to do so many more things expanding the galaxy that it could do. Um, and the I think the world will buy in because Disney Gallery, which um, wonderful Leslie um, decided, oh, have you watched all of this? Uh, and I hadn't uh, because I'd been busy, but she was eager to watch it. And so we absolutely powered through all of it. And it's incredible. But more than that, it's 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 written to to present the world Dave Filoni. And yeah, hey, if you don't if you don't love Star Wars and aren't already in love with this guy. This is our um, testing the waters to see will everybody else love him as much? And they do. Because when everybody, like, it doesn't matter who else is on camera with him, they're looking at him with a smile on their face and just like, 
wow, you get it. And like well, everybody look, is so in just invested in every word that comes out of his mouth. Disney has always been amazing at propaganda. This is what they're doing. They're creating yeah. baloney propaganda to I hope so. To create an introduction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting because Favreau was a, it was a little annoying at times and he cut people off a ton. Um, and so it was, he, he came across a little annoying that we were Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, it was really funny because um, Leslie was making comments on all these people knowing who none of them are. Um, and she was so pissed off at Kathleen Kennedy because they were talking, I forget about whether it was, uh, was the, what was like the biggest surprise when joining Star Wars or something. Like, what was the thing that surprised you the most or, like, got you the most, like, wow, I didn't realize that. Um, or some, I don't remember what the question was. But Leslie paused it as soon as Kathleen Kennedy answered. Because Kathleen Kennedy's answer was that there was 126 patents. <laughs> oh, God. That, <laughs> was like, so that really says a lot a about, your, about your imagination. That really says a lot about your... And obviously, she has the ability to wonder because she's yeah. been in, in so many wonderful films. But what a... What a boring business person's answer. I know. It's really disappointing in that regard. Um, but no, the whole thing, uh, the way that the directors work together, Taika Waititi is excellent. Uh, he tweeted out a picture the other day of him holding Baby Yoda. Um, he said uh, he held it like his his children. Um, he had, I think he had a six month old and he was just like, it was the same size. I couldn't, I couldn't not hold it. So he tweeted out a picture of him holding baby Yoda yeah. <laughs> on father's day. Cause he was just so obsessed with it. Um, and that the way they got invested in learning from Filoni so that they could produce a better product and the skills of, from tech that Favreau brought in, uh, it just shows that, um, Star Wars keep going that direction. Kathleen Kennedy, you've got the right size pole to keep your distance. Um, you, you, you trust John Favreau. Perfect. He trusts Dave Filoni and everybody, every fan trusts Dave Filoni. So that, that's a, that's a, that's a, a thread that I'll follow. Excellent. Very well said. Any other like news, any updates? Um, not a ton of updates, uh, but in the last episode of the gallery, and so this is getting out now, uh, it was mentioned that Mark Hamill voiced uh, EV-99, uh, Jabba's, uh, droid who kind of tortures all the other droids, um, uh, in Jabba's palace, so he loses his job when Jabba dies, and so he is the new bartender at Chalman's Cantina, which is our Tatooine Cantina. Uh, and we see uh, our uh, our four uh, in the background from uh, A New Hope. This is so, a Mandalorian. This is in the Mandalorian episode yes, sorry, five. Mandal I think. Episode five, yeah. And so that's that's just really cool, just bringing things even more back together. That it was specific things right from A New Hope that they decided no. It's not something that's similar. It is the exact same damn thing. And the way that they rebuilt that cantina is super cool. Speaking of uh, Mandalorian castings, I was watching uh, just like some online uh, press that Bill Burr was doing because he has a new season of F is for Family coming out. And mm -hmm. he was uh, he was reading his AMA live on his Reddit AMA live in this like little, uh, I guess it was the Netflix uh, YouTube channel. And somebody asked him uh, if he's going to be in Mandalorian again. And he says, I'll take whatever work they can give me, but I'm pretty sure they finished season two and I'm not in it. So I found that kind of interesting. He's not going to be in season two. Oh, uh, that actually, I, I, I heard, I saw that title. I assumed it was probably incorrect. And in the sense that everything that comes out, it seems to talk about season. The way that people report, they report as if season two hasn't already been filmed. Right. And so I assumed that was like, oh, he's going to die in season two and he's not coming back for season three. But if that was actually the way he said it, that's actually not what I expected. Was I 100% expected that 
crew to get back that to be back in in season two but they could and come so back in season three he could show they absolutely they absolutely could and so yeah. that's what i was gonna say so i i do expect them to come back in season three then unless some of the characters come back and not all of them and then that would change things the way i would maybe be sure it's really okay it seems like they have a lot on the schedule for season two yeah which is which is awesome and very exciting as to what it could be um and favreau will be doing some directing there as well right. um and uh, yeah, we are. We know the directors for that, which is good. Uh, just a couple other small little things. Uh, it's looking less and less likely, and there's rumors that Taika will be the next movie, and that Taika's movie will be 2024, and that its okay. 2022 one will be canceled. And wow. they could probably. The thing is, they can get away with that because of coronavirus now. Yeah, yeah, they you're can right. totally get away with canceling the 2022. Well, if fuck, they push Star Wars celebration to 2022 so they can easily get away with that and be like oh well this works and then but that's be able five to years between movies next. that's a long time well if it allows them to get good tv uh in the right place i do not care sure uh and if it means that they take the uh appropriate level of thought prior to uh jumping both feet in then i'm even more excited just i i mean you know what i would love what i would absolutely adore them to try to do soon is go the Lord of the Rings approach and film a tree and film a, uh, a trilogy together in three years. Yeah. And, and release it like you can release it. You don't even need to do it. One, 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 you could even separate them by two years, but film it all together and just like, then you get your story the, straight. Yeah. So you have your story, put it in the can and then you're not going to be influenced by these other things. I think that's a great, um, and also with television and this is something that could come in, um, if you do kind of multiple television shows from a family perspective, but because Star Wars is about family and it's something that uh, is a key theme that they, of course, kind of swung and missed on in Rise of Skywalker, but are hitting in a really great way Mandalorian by doing this kind of like lone wolf cub thing and showing that you can get creative with the way you do family. Uh, but they may be taking some inspiration from Game of Thrones um, by doing family-based storytelling. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that's a really smart way of uh, approaching different areas of Star Wars by not necessarily not focusing on the Skywalkers per se, but it allows you to become familiar with uh, groups of characters um, that can expand the galaxy in, in broad reaches, but still are intertwined in, in their own kind of way. Uh, I, th I, th I think it could be really smart and you can set up different uh, time periods. Um, I mean, fuck, like a character like Thrawn could work in something like that. You can even, and Mandalorians work extremely well within that model. And so I don't know how you go about it, but it could be, it could be pretty damn cool. There is always a resident current hot button, uh, like family ensemble drama on prestige television. It's been the case ever since the Sopranos and certainly mm -hmm. game of Thrones was it's of its era. And succession is kind of being groomed to be the next one. These are shows, shows about families uh, mm. about very flawed people within families. And so if they could do something like that in like an epic dramatic That'd way with amazing. star Wars, it would be dope. Yeah. And I, th I, th I think the key thing would be to do multiple. And so it's not necessarily just like a clean focus, but it doesn't mean you can't do multiple like TV shows and then bring a, and then, Oh, they're both successful. Boom. There's your new uh, trilogy. The battle of the, I don't know, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Yeah, well, explore, diff explore different genres within Star Wars. I know Disney's a little reluctant to do that, but like... It, it, Star Wars still needs to be, at the end of the day, um, teaching lessons, and it still needs to be uh, accessible to, to, to children, but you, that does not mean you can't uh, do exploration with... like When you look at 
the six George Lucas movies, there is some crazy variation in there. And then you look with the Clone Wars and you look at with the new stuff with Rogue One. Um, and then even some of the really, there is some, some really cool stuff in the sequel trilogy. Well, um, not, but not so much visually, but someday Disney's going to make a Deadpool movie because they're going to have to. And that's going to change what Disney allows, right? Like there's this all this talk today because the first trailer came out for Hamilton, which comes out on Disney Plus a week from this Friday. And there are three mm. F words in Hamilton. And that uh, breaks the MPA rating for um, for R. You can only have one F word uh, in your they thing. They have R products. Disney? Yeah. Not on Disney Plus. There's nothing no. rated R on Disney no, Plus. I, I know that. But they own Hulu. Yes, but it's but Hamilton is going to be on Disney Plus, and so they have to censor yeah. two of the F words, oh. and so and um, I don't think Deadpool is on Disney Plus, even though like the other X Men movies are, um, and so that's weird. Less than I watched uh, Deadpool two recently. I don't remember what we watched it on. It is on Netflix Canada right okay, now, then. so it must Probably have been Netflix. there. And I'm sure the only reason it's not on Disney Plus is because they they made like a grand statement of nothing yeah. nothing will be rated beyond PG thirteen on our network. Someday they're going to have to make another Deadpool movie because they're cash cows, and that yeah. will change. Oh, they will change the context around what you can do within Star Wars too, because that's their other big machine. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I Dave Fil- I, I did hear in a really good way Dave Filoni put it though, uh, and it was it's a great point. Oh, you you want uh, Star Wars to be all dark and serious and negative? Okay, well, why do you like Star Wars? You grew up with Star Wars, so when you first watched Star Wars, you're, you're watching it since you were seven. So you fell in love with it when you were seven, and you want to screw the next generation to not fall in love with it yeah. when they're seven because it's all dark and dreary so that you can be happy as an adult with it? That's Star okay. Wars fans for you, though. Make it about me. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the kind of thing, like, that's where Dave Filoni gets it. Mandalorian, you can watch that with uh, an eight-year-old and an 80-year-old mm-hmm. uh, and anything in between. And Rebels, you can watch that between a four-year-old and an 80-year-old. And there's going to be some things where the eight-year-old maybe is going to go make a cup of coffee. But <laughs> that doesn't mean that they're not going to be enjoying it for a lot of the time. And right. then the, like, So it, there needs to be that kind of mindset taken. And don't go beyond the age of 12. Okay. Interesting. And so that's kind of, like, as, like, that's kind of the, 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 the way I thought about it in terms of like Rogue One. You, you you can show uh, a a ten year old Rogue One uh, for I sure. Think, I think it's boring to a ten year old Rogue One, but it, but that's the sort of thing. Like if you get a little bit past that like point, if you get a whole lot darker, you're probably not going to show that to anyone younger than like thirteen. And then that kind of crosses a, a barrier of like, is that really even Star Wars anymore? Kind of. Okay, it's like fair this enough. The whole dark other thing. Now we're having a real philosophical question about the definition True. and parameters of Star Wars. So maybe we want to call it quits before we get too deep here. <laughs> Probably a good call. Uh, no more news. Uh, yeah, no more. Oh well, Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, they had the trailer for that. That looks really cool. It's a very simulator um, kind of video game, PlayStation, um, Xbox, and whatnot. Uh, it can be played on VR as well, so that's kind of cool. You have the option for both. But no, that's about it. Happy birthday on Saturday, June twenty seventh, to the great J.J. Abrams. Uh, that's the only Star Wars birthday for the remainder of June, as far as I know. Forgot to cast one. Wow. I don't know too much about this movie. Um, I think it's called The Kingsman, even though we've had Kingsman movies before. I think it's The King's Man. The King. Okay, it's about. It seems to be like it's kind of uh, in the vein of 
I hate to call this back to memory, but the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like it gathers up a bunch of like historical, expendable British type, uh, like Rasputin and like all these. Oh, like, it does kind of. You're right. I didn't realize quite how many like classic people it has. But maybe it's going to be good because the the cast is really good, and so I'm I'm plucking two excellent uh, actors from that cast. Also, they're uh, British, so that's a help. That's right. Uh, two notable actors who are going to appear in that movie. If you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Ray Fiennes or Stanley Tucci? Hmm. I think it's notable that both of these guys can do comedy really well. Oh, yes. Stanley Tucci is a tough one. Stanley Tucci has an excellent voice. Um, Stanley Tucci. Man, he's a chameleon. He's good. He is. I'm trying to think of like, cause like he was in hunger games. And so like there are other things where you want to, I, I don't like, even when he's, even when he's kind of grunged up, it almost seems like he's appropriately clean cut. Um, Stanley Tucci, I think could make an interesting, uh, duplicitous politician. I think you take his glasses off and he, he can be, Beckett. I think he can do it. Oh, I think he could be Beckett um, just because he's a good enough actor for it. Yeah. Um, but I would say if I'm going to make Stanley Tucci, I'm going to make him a duplicitous uh, politician. Uh, Ray Fiennes is probably the answer because you can do anything. I mean, of course, the first thing you want to do is you want to make him Voldemort uh, and you want to make him a Sith. No, I'm, thinking Grand, Bu- I'm thinking Grand Budapest Hotel, which is literally an on-the-run movie, and he's so funny in it and so charismatic. Yeah. I think that that, like, I mean, obviously, like, it's a kooky Wes Anderson movie, but I think a lot of that can transfer to Star Wars seamlessly. Yeah, I think he could definitely play um, a Qui-Gon-like character very well. Yeah. Um, I think he could play maybe a sillier Qui-Gon even. Sure. Um, somebody to, like, yeah, I'd say let's go old school time, um, bringing it back several generations uh, when there's many Jedi, and we'll go with Rafe Fiennes as a, as a as a as a happier go luckier Qui Gon Jinn, uh, and of course we're gonna kill him, and that's gonna be a big emotional step in our main character's journey. Naturally, <laughs> of course. All right, well, uh, let us know who you cast in Star Wars: Ray Fiennes or Stanley Tucci. If you have any thoughts on this episode of the podcast, you can email us at recorder six six podcast at gmail or tweet us at recorder six six. Please rate and review on your preferred podcast app. If you want to be where we are for next week's episode, watch the penultimate episode of the Clone Wars. So that's Season 7, Episode 11. And until we are together again, may the Force be with you. Always. Always.